Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome. Hello. Happy New Year's Eve. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Let's see what uh, what 2023 will bring us here. And uh, Oh, yeah. An odd Hopefully better. Years. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Everything just, we keep saying that. <laughs> Although I do think 2022 was a little bit more normal than the COVID years, as it were. Oh, yes. oh definitely. Yeah. You know, so uh, definitely kind of came back from there. Although it's just, I don't know, the whole world's in an uproar and has been this year. So, yeah. you know, hopefully things will be a little more calm and normal peaceful? in 2023 peaceful would be nice yeah that yeah, would yeah. be nice we'll end up seeing what uh, actually comes of all of this but you know one thing that i am just really surprised about is next week is our first episode of what will be season five of user-friendly 2.0 but the user-friendly franchise will be in its 10th year yeah Ten. a decade yeah yep. 10 years mm. so we started back Ocean. in 2013 and uh <laughs> Maybe we'll have to do something special. Yeah, I don't think that would be a bad idea at all. We could look back and kind of see uh, see where we've been. I will probably <laughs> not recommend we re-air some of the very early stuff. I mean, no. you know that. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I could I could get um, my trumpet out or, or guitar and bang on it, you know, and maybe get the dog to yell. So it'll feel like I don't like know if we're going for performance days. art here, but, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, I'm well, open to anything, hey, right? <laughs> hey, remember the people that were outside of the of the studio? Was the guy with the harmonica? Yes, I do. Yeah. I remember yeah. the drill. I, okay, and I do remember what, yes, yes. Okay. For anybody that hasn't heard it, check it out, <laughs> userfriendlyshow.com. Those episodes are there, but if you play them, you're doing it. That's not on us, and you're doing it at your own <laughs> risk. Everybody have a wonderful, safe, happy New Year's Eve, and we'll talk to you next year. On to our clip show. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Steve Mailer. Well, Bill, thanks again, as always. It's always fun bringing back fun guests that we've had on the show previously. And I was going through some of my records, and I was very, very surprised to see that it's almost been a year since I've had this friend on. He's a voice character actor, voiceover actor, and as well as an on-camera talent. He's just a, he's a wonderful actor. Goes by the name of Jeffrey Bentley, or... Uh, his online presence is more Jeffrey B. That's me. And he's a multi-talented guy. He's always a lot of fun. Jeffrey B., thank you for coming back to User-Friendly. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's great to hear your voice, my friend. Yeah, you too. It's It's been, you know, it's been a lousy year. <laughs> um, 2020, uh, yeah. 2020 was just not a fun place to be for anybody. It kind of affected us in a similar way, I think. In terms of not being able to do things, you know, not being able to get together with friends, not being able to be uh -huh. on the sets of projects, you know, it really, it kind of turned our world upside down. And what I was, what I was very happy to see though, is that you did not let this pandemic stop you from doing a lot of really great things. I mean, I'm looking at your Facebook uh, profile and I'm seeing a lot of interesting things I, I want to talk to you about. The first one that caught my attention was an interesting thing called the product journey. It looks like it was some kind of corporate video. <laughs> okay, and I'm getting the laughs already. So this this is definitely going to be interesting, I think. It was something called the product journey, which sounds like it was a corporate video project of some kind. Um, what was that about? 
Well, actually, I have been with this uh, website called Voice Booking uh, for a while. I've probably been been with it for two years, and then someone actually contacted me through it, saying, "Hey, uh, we like your stuff. Would you would you mind helping us out?" Nice. And I said, "Yeah, yeah, sure, no problem." So what they did was, um, and this has happened to me before, they just send me a picture of their uh, product, but also their character, since they were able to animate like little arms and legs on, uh, you know, the pouch I played and, and the can I played. And uh, they just said, okay, you know, it's, uh, it's up to you to create the character. And so I had wow. to reach in the vault and go, okay, you know, so what would be good for this guy? Because uh, one was Peter Pouch, you know, he's the first <laughs> one you hear. Okay. And, and he's the one who's just like, uh, hey, yeah, how you doing? You know, very like hyperactive. And it's like, hey, uh, is this interview going to take long? I got to get back to my workout, you know, type of attitude. And then the next one, they said, oh, yeah, you know, there, there's a can here. And uh, he's sort of a sort of a colonel and, you know, have uh, the inspiration of um, Full Metal Jacket. You okay. Know, just, hey, think about that type of sergeant getting into your face. And then it's just like, <laughs> let's go, 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 go. And so I, I turned those in. And they said, "Wow, this is great!" And uh, mm. and it was for uh, LAN handling, okay. uh, LAN. And not only did I play those two main characters that I, that had lines, but I played the background character, so I had to change my voice for when uh, <laughs> for when the can, uh, Colonel Can was talking to his uh, you know his his fellow Cans, his privates. And uh, so I'm just oh, like I, I was just like, sir, yes, sir. Oh my sir, god, yes, sir, <laughs> sir, yes, sir. And then they would mix it all together. And so I played multiple characters for that type of stuff. I even played like the pouches to where they had to sound like they were on a roller coaster because they were going through the machine. It just like, oh, that Wee! is funny. That is hilarious. <laughs> now this was for a company here. Um, actually, it was a, a company in the Netherlands. You in know, the that's, Netherlands. that's the beauty. Yeah, oh, that's the okay. beauty of uh, working, uh, not only working from home, but working as a voice actor because your clients are all around the world. You never know who you're going to work. Everything's global. It's it's definitely opened the field for you. That That's definitely for sure. Now, <clears throat> I also saw something that <laughs> indicated you were selected as um, through True Talent Agency to do a series of uh, Nissan commercials. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Every time. Every time I mention a project, you've got this this snickery little laugh, which tells me there's there's probably a story behind everything. <laughs> there's always stories. There's always great stuff. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, so far I've I've only done one okay. as far as Nissan goes. But yeah, it was it was an interesting day. I mean, it was so cold. I, I actually did it in Carson City. Okay. Uh, it was so cold that morning, and so we had to like keep rubbing our hands together. And then they actually uh, let me be in a warm car, and yeah. uh, you know, it, it was a car I was unfamiliar with. So every time I got in, it the, the seat would readjust. Oh God! Before we started filming, so I had to get used to that. And uh, yeah, but apparently they liked my over the topness because of my theater background. Okay. And uh, yeah, the, <laughs> when I got the script, it was called the five beep beep uh, oil, oil change. change. Yeah. And so I had to say beep beep so they could insert the car horns and everything. So you, you had to make it look like you were cursing, you know. <laughs> and it, what was really fun is that um, my agent, uh, Justine, and, uh, you know, a little shout out to Justine Ray as she gets me so much work and I love her to death. Mm -hmm. uh, she said that uh, you were the only one who got the humor of this commercial because nobody uh, got the fact that you were supposed to be cursing when you said beep beep. I'm just like, <laughs> are you kidding me? It was, it was much along the lines yes. of uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox when they said, what the cuss, man? Right. You know? <laughs> so 
I had to, I, and, and then we started to really get into it. Just like, what the beep, man? Oh, get, a, get away, you beep and beep. Don't you beep at me, you beep, you know. But you mentioned um, that the temperature was cold and you were there mm. for a while. How long did it take you to shoot that, to shoot that spot? Uh, usually uh, things like that take about, uh, you know, two hours just okay. to set up, set up and make sure because we shot everything in their uh, garage. Okay. You know? And because uh, because of COVID, we had to do safety precautions and we made sure we didn't go inside unless, you know, it was one person at a time type. Oh, thing. OK. So, there, yeah. So you're still maintaining the safe distancing, kind of keeping everyone uh, not congregated together if it wasn't necessary. No, I did see that commercial online and I got a kick out of it. So now the last thing I wanted to ask you about was <clears throat> there was a picture of you. And there's a Jacks the Jackrabbit hanging out on your couch in the background. Mm -hmm. Now I know you're a cartoonist. So what, yes, what is that? Is that a project that you're working on? Well, actually, um, the inspiration for that was uh, I have been studying with a marketing coach for a while. Okay. And as and as far as uh, getting myself out there, um, well, first of all, my marketing coach's name is Corey Disson, mm -hmm. and a uh, very nice guy, very energetic. And he treats you like you're an old friend, which okay. is really nice. You know, he doesn't treat you like, uh, you know, I'm a marketing coach and I know everything and you're going to listen to me type thing. He goes, no, let me get to know you. And so we started chatting and I and he worked with me for two months solid. And he said, just because you're a voice actor does not mean you only have to post voice acting like stuff. That. Okay, let people. Yeah. Let people get to know you. And so my inspiration for uh, Jack's the Jackrabbit and. Uh, more characters will be coming uh, throughout the year, and you know I'll keep posting them. But the inspiration for that was my favorite movie is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay, and so I figured, why not bring back 2D characters in the 3D world? Because I would love to live in that world, and so I'm making I'm making sure that I'm living in that world. You know, people nice. are being introduced to my world from my point of view, type stuff. So, Jeffrey, with everything you've already talked about for what you've done for ending 2020, what do you have on the slate for 2021? There's so many things to where I have to say yes to some of them and no to the rest of them. Because well, see, I, that's neat. It's neat being yeah. in a place where you have to say no to things. Mm -hmm. Well, um, as always, we talked longer. Uh, the time just kind of flitted by and um, <laughs> we have to say goodbye to you. But I do appreciate you coming on with us again for User Friendly. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you again real soon, Jeffrey B. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, my friend. You bet. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, guys, take it away. Steve, thank you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. SEO screen screen engine no search engine there we go optimization I I know I know these acronyms I really do is a big deal and joining us now is expert Brandon Leibowitz of SEO Optimizers Brandon welcome to the show Hi how's it going Pretty good so since I can't even seem to remember what the acronym means tell us what SEO is SEO stands for search engine optimization getting websites ranked on Google All right so that sounds like a big topic and it's something that our listeners ask us a lot of questions about anybody putting together a website or wanting to get exposure wants to set up seo how is this important to getting the word out to the internet that your website is up and ready to go 
No, it's important because everyone is searching on Google nowadays and has a mobile device. And if you're not online, you're missing out on a lot of potential leads and traffic. So Google is a way, I mean, SEO is a way to get you free traffic from Google. So spending money on ads, now you're going to get that free traffic. Because when you search on Google, there's ads at the top. Those are all paid. But right below the ads is organic SEO results. And that's what we're trying to get you into is that free result. So you're not paying Google or anything like that. You're just getting that free traffic. So what does it take to do this correctly? I know this is a big part of your business, but if you had someone that I've just, I've got my website done and I'm ready to get it listed on Google and I'd like it to be, you know, in the first few results, how do you take it from there? It really varies depending on the website because it's not really a one size fits all. It really depends on what keywords you're trying to target and how competitive the industry is. The more competitive it is, the more time it's going to take for SEO to kick in and the more SEO that we're going to have to do to get you up there. But also, it depends if you're a local business versus an e-commerce business selling nationally. It just really varies. But the more important things are really content. Google feeds off content. The more content you have on your website the better off Google's going to be able to read it and understand it because Google is just a, an algorithm, a spider that they have that goes around trying to read the internet and read all the content on the internet, but they can't really read images and videos yet. They're getting better at it, but they really rely heavily on text. So the more content you have on your website, the better off Google's going to be able to read and understand what keywords you're trying to focus on. All right. So it sounds like if you want to list your website, there's no real submission process. You just have to have it set up properly for it to be able to be searched. And you had mentioned that it takes some time to get in there. How long does it take from posting your website to actually being able to be seen on a search engine? Well, it usually takes about six months to really take full effect the SEO, but it just depends. If there's no competition, then you'll be moving up to the top pretty quickly. But if you're in a heavily competitive industry, it might take a year or two years. Like if you're selling t-shirts and you're competing against like Amazon and Walmart and all these big corporations, it's going to take a little extra time versus if you're, uh, let's say a dentist in San Diego, not as much competition as t-shirts. So it'll be a little bit quicker to get you up there. It'll still take some time, but it'll be faster to expedite it all. So, so what you're basically saying is the local market would have less other people that are already listed essentially. Uh, for the most part, unless you're a restaurant in Los Angeles, then it's probably going to be even more competitive than some industries. So local doesn't always play out. It just depends on what city you're in. If you're in New York or any of these big, big cities, then like if you're a realtor in New York, probably more competition than some of these other businesses that are selling kind of unique general, like maybe they're selling organic t-shirts or organic cotton t-shirts. So it's a little bit more niche, but still heavily competitive, but not as competitive as some of these other really big local type of markets. So does it become necessary then for the person doing the searching to search on their local things? Let's say I have a t-shirt shop. I'm in Oregon and say we have a t-shirt shop up here in Oregon and somebody was searching for me and they were in Oregon. Would they have to actually search on t-shirts Oregon to get me in the upper part of the list? Or if they search on t-shirts, would it just know where I am? It just depends if Google thinks that they're looking for a local business and they'll show localized. But if not, then they're going to just show national. So it just depends on what that person's searching and what the product is. If it's a shirt, it's probably going to be national since it doesn't have to be a local. Unless you 
pendant, but near me or store or something like that, then Google knows that you're looking for something local. But it just depends on your intent behind the keyword search that you're putting in there. So speaking of keywords in the olden days of the internet, 20 years ago, you know, when this all started, you used to actually include keywords and search terms and stuff in the header of your website. Is this different? No, you still want to put keywords in the coding because Google can't, doesn't see what we see. Google looks at the coding on your website for you to put keywords in different places like a title tag or a meta description or header tags or putting keywords in your image file name or putting keywords in the content and putting keywords, kind of sprinkling it all over the website. That's what Google is looking for. It's just not doing too much, but just doing enough where Google's able to read it and understand and get the intent behind what you're, what you're trying to target, what keywords you're trying to focus on. So let me ask you another question. You know, wherever there's anything where you can set up and deal with things, there's a good, but there's also sometimes misuse of the technology. What would stop somebody, if anything, from being able to put in fake keywords to try to get the website to match to something different than what it actually is? No, people try that all the time, but Google's been around for over 20 years and they've seen all the tricks and they know when people are trying to manipulate them and it doesn't work anymore because you can put keywords all over your website, but Google's not going to rank you. Google doesn't care what keywords you put on your website because they don't trust anybody because they've seen too many people try to trick them over the years, like you're saying, like putting incorrect keywords and things like that. So what Google's looking for are called backlinks. They want to see other websites talking about you. If if Google sees other websites talking about you, that's kind of like a vote of confidence or a vote of trust from that website saying, we trust you and we think that you're a good, relevant website. But backlinks are the most important thing. And without backlinks, Google's not going to trust you and not going to give you those rankings. So Google's able to pick up on all these tricks over the years and it's tough to trick Google. It was easier 10 years ago, but now Google's seen almost everything and they're on top of it. But it seems like it almost have to be for them to have accurate return or it wouldn't work right, you know, which is which is the point of curiosity. So you talk about backlinks a little bit. Is that part of the SEO process? Yep, that's probably the biggest part of SEO is backlinks. Without backlinks, none of this SEO, none of the changes you make on your website matter because Google's not going to trust you. Gotcha. Backlinks are the most important thing. So let's say we have somebody that's got their website up and they're ready to sit down and deal with this process and hire a professional such as yourself. And they, uh, the first step would obviously be to get in contact with you. And then what goes from there? Do you just need their information or is there something else they can be doing to get set up? No, there's a bunch of things they can be doing. It just depends how involved they want to be. If they want to start blogging on their own website, I would recommend blogging once a month on their own website. And making sure that they try to add as much content to their pages as possible and things like that. But when I help out with clients, usually I take care of everything for them so they can just focus on the business and not have to focus on all this technical kind of SEO aspects or writing blogs or writing press releases or all this content marketing that needs to be done nowadays. Right. And how do we find SEO optimizers? So for everyone listening, I create a special gift for them if they go to my website, seooptimizers.com forward slash gift. They could find that there. That's S-E-O-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash gift. Brandon, thank you so much. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break.
Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Got a special segment today. I'm going to call this the technology wine. Oh. <laughs> and uh, we get a lot of questions, and a lot of them, I would say about a third of what comes in is people that are legitimately frustrated with various aspects of tech. Mm-hmm. And whether this is something malfunctioning or something being changed, or one of the things that is a topic that I know all of us have had problems with, and that's YouTube and their commercial breaks. Now, Bill, I know you love this. Okay, I just want to put it out there that all of us have experienced it where you have two commercials up front, and then you get three minutes into a five-minute video, and there's another five or, you know, commercials, and then you get commercials at the end of it. And I mean, I just got to be honest, at a certain stage, is YouTube about ads or about videos? Because, you know, you got you got a pile of ads during the videos you got mm-hmm. you scroll down the first video you see in the list is an ad you scroll down five more there's another ad you know mm-hmm. in the yeah. video list it's just so okay uh, and i and okay. i'm i'm having this this a similar situation where i'm listening to music and i'm listening and i okay you have a commercial before the song all right i can deal with that but then they do it in the middle of it and it's like, why'd you do that? You know, or or they just stop it and go, are you listening? Yeah, I just turned it on like 10 or 15 minutes ago. Yeah, it's like, what, it's like, what are you doing? Okay, let me tell you a little secret. Uh, YouTube is about ads, not videos. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the reason that I can honestly say that is because Google, which owns YouTube, is about selling ads. That's how they make their money. Yeah, but Google forced me to go to YouTube because they used to have Google Music or whatever it was called. It was good. And then they shoved me over to YouTube to listen to my music. Yeah. Okay. Well, why are you guys doing that? Well, <laughs> I understand. That's that really is, annoying. I mean, I understand. This is clearly YouTube trying to force everybody to pay them to be a subscription service right. like Netflix or something like that. But at the same time... I'm going to be honest. I have no problem using Adblock on my computer because it is so excessive. Yeah, that's the problem. That's yeah. the problem. And you know, now one thing we and I think all of us uh, here today we we've worked in the entertainment industry, and you definitely want to be able to sell your material. That's how the talent makes money and everybody else. But there is a line of good taste, and when, that's it. When things like with YouTube, uh, I like to wrench on my car, so I'm watching something on how to do it, and. Uh, hello and welcome to the whatever we're going to fix. And it stops in the mid- middle of a word, not even a sentence. Yeah. And then you have two minutes of ads and then it comes back and it's like, where did I leave off? You know, and, and, and this exactly. type of a thing. And it definitely, it, it's actually hurting the performance yeah. of whether it's a video performer mm-hmm. or a musical performance. It, they should put it in a logical place where it's not going to disrupt the performance. Yeah. And the other half of the problem, and I don't think anybody actually thinks about these things is that if I'm watching a video and a commercial interrupts it, like right in the middle of a word, I'm not going to be buying that product. Right. I'm going to actively find a different way to solve whatever problem that product is trying to sell me because that interrupted the the video flow or whatever it was because it's in the middle. And there's, there's also another thing that you've, you've sort of touched on. Um, They noticed this when um, they started having more and more commercial breaks and kids were watching TV. And one of my, um, I was originally going to become a school teacher. And so I was talking to one of the older teachers and she said, the kids concentration levels have dropped. They can only like pay attention for five minutes because they're programmed because of all these commercials. 
and you're now you're they're doing it on on YouTube and other things mm-hmm. and Pandora and stuff like that. And it's like, stop it. It, it. It's screwing with our ability to concentrate. I don't mind having a commercial once in a while to pay for the product. That's fine. But to break people's concentration apart is it's not it's not healthy. Yeah. No, and, and completely agreed. I know the first time I went to Europe years ago, the commercials were at the end of the show. So mm-hmm. you, would, you would have the show, it would run whatever time it ran. You would have the commercials, you would have the credits, and then you would probably have more commercials and then have the next show, which ran. And uh, that, of course, has all changed now, too. But it was definitely a, a better way of looking at it. Now, there are some streaming services. Uh, YouTube, if you pay for for one thing, and like Bill said, it's definitely pushing yeah. towards that. Netflix doesn't have commercials, and I know both Discovery Plus and uh, Hulu have, it costs more every month, but you can get where it doesn't have commercials either. So there are some ways around that. And having some commercials is fine. you got to pay for it somehow. But from a standpoint of really just interrupting things and getting this excessive, it is something that is out there that's definitely becoming a problem and frustrating people. And now we need to go to a commercial. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Our next segment here, we're going to be talking about something that's been in the news. It's a listener question specifically that came in on this. And where this comes from was the lawsuit with Apple and Epic Games and being able to distribute through the Apple market and all that kind of stuff. And the question has to do, what is the difference between open and closed software distribution systems? And is one better than the other? And 10,000-foot view answer to this, just to discuss what it is, is an open software distribution system basically means that anybody can write software for a given platform. Uh, Windows is like this. If I want to go out and write a Windows app or a Windows piece of software, I can do that. I can sell it on my website. As long as it meets specific standards and all that type of thing to work, it'll run on the operating system. Kind of a middle area of this would be the Android phone. There's the Android Marketplace Store. And anybody can write an app to put on Play Store, but it has to be reviewed and approved, and they take 30% of what's being sold. But Android still has a function, if you really want to go in there, that you can do what's called sideloading, and you can take an application and load it on your own. And to take that a step further, some of the big boys like Amazon and Samsung have their own markets for the Android platform, so it gives an alternative to be able to get software from those means. A closed distribution model would be what Apple uses. And their software set up that short of hacking your phone, jailbreaking the phone, you're not going to be able to install something that Apple hasn't approved to be able to work on that device. And this is where this lawsuit came from because now you have to give them the 30% commission off the top of anything that's sold within the app and that type of thing. And while Epic, I would think, almost certainly can afford it, the arguments made that a lot of the smaller studios, 30% is a big deal. And it is for small business. 30% is big for anybody. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 And so, and every, so that means every dollar you spend, 30 cents goes to these markets. And it isn't just limited to Apple. Steam, which sells games online, which we all use for a lot of things, they have the same kind of thing where it will 
charge the distributor 30%. That's how they make their money. Now, the question of which one is better is not one that really has a short answer. And there are arguments for or against both of these methodologies. Now, on a closed platform like you have with Apple, the argument against it would certainly be access. You don't have the right to run your own software. Apple tells you what you can and can't do on the device that you bought based on what they approve. And as a developer, I also know that that approval process is somewhat subjective, to say the least. Yeah. You know, we've been through some different things, and it really is up to Apple as a private company, you know, traded, but still a private company, to decide, well, if we don't like this because it might compete with something we're doing, we're not going to let you have access to our platform and therefore all of the people that use it. Argument for this is you also have a lot less potential for things like malware and other things that are designed to steal information because all of it has been approved, theoretically, by someone at Apple Computer to be able to be out there. So at least being able to make some kind of an assumption that it's safe would be a better thing here. So that's, you know, the argument from that standpoint. Open, of course, best thing there is, is that it's anybody can distribute. And you can sell your own software. And if you want to use Play Store in the case of Android, it's a great marketing situation. And in my opinion, it's worth the 30% because on any kind of a project I've done, it would have cost that much to market it anyway. But it's pretty much the opposite that your app will be approved <clears throat> unless someone complains about it or there's some kind of a problem comes up, then they'll take it off. So it's kind of the reverse. But of course, with that kind of a distribution system, it's a lot easier to be able to get malware and other viruses and other things that you would not want into the distribution system. I don't know. Bill, I'm going to ask you this question. What, what do, do you have a preference between Apple and Android and why? I like Android better, but that's because the interfaces in the system is more accessible. Hmm. And as a computer tech and someone who customizes a lot of their stuff, like, you know, once it's set certain ways, that is what I need to be able to do that because I can set, you know, everything really easily. I had an iPhone for work once. Was one, It had some features that I think were okay, but they were so different from what I was used to to access things that it was kind of weird. But on the other hand, I couldn't do anything with the phone. There was so much work and so many things I had to go through just to change like this one setting or this one thing. It was just, I, I, I gave up because it was just such a hassle. Yeah, and that is definitely some of the feedback I've heard is that there's a barrier to entry on being able to figure out how to go through some kind of a process. Now, I've experienced that with the Mac and with Windows, too, but usually it's a little easier to figure it out. And again, if they don't want you to do it, you're just simply not going to be able to. Now, Jeremy and Gretchen, I know you both use Android phones. I think you have a Pixel 3, yep. which is a yep. direct model from Google, so it's designed to run Android natively, of course. And I had one for a while myself and really liked it. What is your feeling on this? I really enjoy the Android system. Uh, the only thing I miss is the differentiation of, of settings between phones. Like one model of phone has uh, a certain number of sound settings where you can turn off the ringtone but leave your notifications on. So like, you know, that that was nice, but I don't have that in the new Pixel. Oh, really? But um, no, it's, it's notifications and phone call volume are the same. I wonder if that's just uh, like with Android itself because my Motorola does that too. 
now. Yeah. That's interesting well, because my Samsung uh, Note has four volume control. I'll look at it afterwards and see if it's split in that way. But anyway, Gretchen, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that the, the phone that used to do that was a Samsung. Okay, so maybe, you know, and see, the other thing of it is, is Android can be customized yeah. by the manufacturer. So it's right. very possible, Bill, that what you're seeing is correct, that the stock version of Android does it this way, and that maybe Samsung has changed it or something. I'll get an answer to that for everybody. It's a good question, and, and we'll, we'll send it out there. But um, I, I don't know, from that direction, is it worth the risk to have it open? From my opinion, I prefer the open distribution system, but you have to know what you're doing, and it's a very good idea to have antivirus and anti-malware stuff set up for that. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break, and we have an extended Q&A later in the show. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0, one user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter. UserFriendlyShow.com is where you can find us online. Submit your questions. Submit your comments. Let us know what you want to hear because this is the last time we're going to talk to you this year. <laughs> Something what do you that think about that? sounds so ominous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time we're going to see you or talk to you this, see year. this year. We're, we're, not going to be, we're not going to produce again for the entire year. And Jeremy and Gretchen, you can have the rest of the year off. Oh, oh thank yay. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. 2023 is coming up. We're going to have a lot of live shows again that we're covering. We're going to try to bring the hobby segment back. You know, I know that was something that we had a lot of positive feedback on and got derailed with Ukraine and all that last year and or this year. And hopefully, uh, hopefully that that'll all get worked out and we can move on the Hobby segments themselves, we have had a lot of questions come in. So what I'm hoping maybe in the first couple of weeks of January, we can look at answering some more of those. Yeah. And look at bringing in another guest. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to talk about in that line. And mm -hmm. I think it is something really worthwhile doing. Yeah, what are you guys looking forward to? We've got the, what is it, um, Fan Expo coming up here in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see how those turn out. I yeah. haven't been to one yet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I haven't been to one yet either. This was Wizard World. Fan Expo took it over well, was over a year was ago. Fun. But yeah. Yeah, Wizard World was always great. And, and Fan Expo is a very good reputation. I've just never been to one, so I can't really comment on it beyond just what I've seen online. Exactly, yeah. And, and, and being that, there in person is is more. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, that's the only way, to, only way to get yeah. around. And last year, it didn't get produced because of COVID. It had to get canceled, unfortunately. So. It does look like it's happening this year, so we're looking forward to being able to see everybody there at that, and hopefully getting the costume again. I'm missing that. I'm like having withdrawal. I miss it I too. Think, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's just. Uh, I love the creativity, the fun of wearing something totally strange. Mm -hmm. it, it's just fun. Yeah, yeah, you know it. It really very much is. So, all right. Well, as soon as we get done here, I'm going to find our New Year's party and. Uh, yeah. See what the plan is for all of that. And uh, <laughs> now, Bill, I, I, are you all dressed up or are you dressing down for this year? I'm going to be dr probably dressing down. I, we're not going to do anything formal. It's uh, just going to be, I think we're going to be enjoying actually being in the company of people for New Year's this year. That hasn't happened in a while either. And uh, yeah, you know, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be kind of cool from that front. But yeah, we're not doing anything too special or over the top. Although I'll tell you what, 
in 2023, one of my resolutions is to actually celebrate Halloween and have a party. Uh-huh. That has not gotten done now for a while, and that needs to happen. Yeah, that's been a bummer. We didn't even put out the giant skeleton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, this last year, I got I got my giant 12-foot witch put up and uh, <laughs> my black cat. So the decorations were there, but that was about it. We just didn't, you know, things got derailed. It happens. But, uh, you know, this year will or next year we'll do it again. And until then, until next year, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the user-friendly media group, Inc., or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by weirdtechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.